everybody. Hey, welcome to the Texans Take. All right. We are well, not by ourselves today. We, we are have not. the lovely Alyssa with us. Hey, yeah, who are you again? <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were going to introduce the wine. You introduced her first. Dog, we have to start over. Sorry. Well, I mean, well, I mean, technically, it should be you introducing your wife. I let him do the introductions. His voice is better. <laughs> So we have Flora and Stone. Yes, and might I say, wow, this is a well. Very... We don't we don't really anymore. It's <laughs> I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, it's in our we bottle. had Flora it's and not Stone in the bottle, but it's oh. a very very tasty. Luckily, uh, I've already filled out. Let like, me see the bottle. Let me see the bottle. Luckily, I've already figured. Filled, you know, uh, filled out the at least part of the yeah. The stuff if you on got it. this again, I wouldn't be upset. Yeah, I probably really will. Good. Uh, so what was the price range on this? Seven ninety nine. Seven ninety nine. Nice, yeah. nice. And we've got some other things to talk about, so we won't get into detail about the wine. But um, well, we we can go in a little bit. A little bit. Okay. Okay. So we got. Uh, let's we, just do. A quick we at sniff. least got to yeah do a quickie here. I already put that it was full body. Bitterness. Very low. Honestly, very low. I'd give that a like a point eight. A point eight. Yeah. yeah. You're not wrong. I can agree with that. Um, next is sweetness. Mm-hmm. It's pretty, pretty sweet. sweet. Which I like a little bit of a sweeter wine. Yeah, it's on it's on the edge of sweetness for me. I'd say yeah, it's about yeah, a yeah. six, maybe on sweetness. That's probably about right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. about a six. And I like Sa- a dry sourness. Wine too. It's like not really sour. Too, no, no, it it's doesn't not really sour. have a sour. Yeah, yeah. I'd say honestly, sourness like one, mm. if that. Hold on, let me let me try this wine again. I didn't, I mean, I didn't get a good taste. Maybe like point one because it doesn't. It's not sour or tart. Or, it has a very sweet, even finish. Yeah, one. It doesn't even like have a point a sour one. <laughs> I mean, I mean honestly, not even there, really. Yeah, give, it, <coughs> give it something low. This will be a low. Well, this will be a point one. It's the first time we've had a point one, by the way, for a uh, for a tartness or a sour since yeah. we started doing that. Most and and that's not high. to say that this is a crazy sweet wine either. No, it's not. It's, it's not. not like it's not like a sangria or something that's like, oh my gosh, that's so sweet. You know, <laughs> no, it's um, it's just very very pleasant. Um, the uh, stew rate is pretty high. Yeah, the the brig rate is definitely pretty high on this one. I'm gonna give that an eight five. Yeah, that's about where I was. What's the A rate? <laughs> It's not really a short for Alyssa, and Brig is kind of short anyway. Yeah, Stu, the the Brig rate, the Alyssa, the Alyssa rate. <laughs> the Lissa What's rate. the Alyssa rate? I'd say nine. I like nine. it. Nine. Yeah. She likes it. I like it. Uh, you can get this one again. <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely. Get Let me read the back of the bottle. Oh, we don't. I don't have the spinny wheel yet. So spin. You pick voice. It's the accent. He does an impersonation. Pick an accent. Irish. Irish. <laughs> All right. Well, that's good. Okay. So I was waiting on something like hillbilly. <laughs> oh, no. Do it in hillbilly, Stuart. Well, she said Irish. So Irish hillbilly? The Florence Stone. Let's see. Uh, well, I got to get, get my Irish on. Today is like strong Scottish. You got to think, uh, well, what is Scottish, it? Uh, think uh, Colin Farrell. 
You know, oh, we got that go. very, very Irishy. Oh no, wait, wait, wait. There's a couple of lines. If you say a couple of lines, sometimes you can get it right on. It's the uh, um, ah, just chart in. Ah, there it is. Chart into Washington to be grand. An invitation to indulge this this mer, this merlot is a, a tapestry of dark fruit. Merlot with a sumptuous toasted oak finish. It is composed of grapes from select California vineyards, whose diverse landscape create a a. A mosaic. Is that what it is now? A mosaic. Look at that. <laughs> a mosaic into glass from the unique tangle of flora. Stone and sky comes of velvety red with the plush tannins backed by notes of plum and a black plum. Cherry and clove. Is it now? Serve at room temperature and pair with braised pork chops, roasted chicken or pasta and red sauce. And that, that, now. My goodness. That is lovely right there. Ha! Ah, I love it. A good Merlot. Ah, just wonderful. Mmm. It is good. I will buy it again. Definitely. And so... If only buying it for me. <laughs> I don't know about all that now. What she's saying is that you need two bottles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Half for you and one and a half for me. So, Ooh! Well said. Uh, I so, Rittenhouse. I'm telling you, it's... Uh, I have thoroughly followed... You know all of the uh, the trials, things that are going on. It is uh, it's different. I have followed Brig his thoroughly followed. I have well, yeah. I mean, I've had some time on my hands, so I've been like, I, uh, I woke up this morning at like seven, and uh, I immediately like popped on. It's like waiting for trial to begin. I'm like, oh, I'll go to sleep. So I didn't sleep for a couple hours. I woke up at like right at eight thirty, and. It was like, trial will begin in minutes. Continuation. I was like, oh, yes, okay. So I'm waking up on a perfect time, you know, get in there. And I, I pretty much watched it on it. I had it running all day. Let's put it that way. My phone has has had the, the trials running all day, and I've been in and out of the room just listening to it. And, I mean, there's a lot. At this point, uh, trial, it closes tomorrow. So they're going to have their closing arguments tomorrow see exactly so i haven't been watching it frame for frame what do you think is going to happen um me personally i think they're gonna they're gonna push to slap him with something slap Whether... him with something just to mm-hmm. i mean frankly he doesn't deserve anything really i, I think, think i think they'll try to slap him with uh at the minimum uh a year and a half probation uh-huh. is probably what they're going to try to do yeah uh, he's not going anywhere he's in med it is school incredibly clear at this point He's in med school. Yeah, he's exactly he's going to be a nurse. Belongs. Yeah, he's yeah, going to be a nurse. Yeah. He's so great. yeah, he was literally he was liber- literally giving people first aid. Yeah, you know. Uh, so he's not going anywhere. He is. He does have kind of this you know stable uh, situation around him, mm-hmm. and so I, I don't I don't see the very is, worst case scenario. I if think they, I think the judge and the jury. Well, the judge anyway. You know, everybody listening. It's pretty clear, even from you know some. Some of the people that they had on stand that he was acting in self-defense. Yeah, I mean, even even one of the gentlemen I think that he shot, you know, was was saying that. And I mean, I think worst case scenario, they'll try to slap him with uh, with the full nine months for being under eighteen and having the gun. I think they'll slap him with that at worst case scenario. But you were saying earlier that that really shouldn't be a charge anyway it shouldn't because... be because he was there with a a you know for, i don't know if i don't know what branch he served with i know he was a former special forces of some kind yeah 
and you know combat veteran very trained yeah Yeah, he was very trained he was he was in his i'd say probably 40s by the looks of him late 30s early 40s and they got separated and they got separated in the middle of that nothing happened until he got separated and he was running around trying to find him when all of this you know he it was kind of like a take two he was trying to find his partner who he had been separated with right and looking for him frantically while getting called by his best friend and saying, Hey, we got to go put out some fires. Right. And so he's running around looking for his, you know, his buddy and going and putting out fires, still trying to, to look for this when he has people, you know, coming after him, you know, yeah. yelling crazy things. So, I mean, hateful things. Absolutely. It was, it was uh... and they selectively in the, in the trials yesterday, they selectively showed videos that didn't, it happened right after all the people were, were shouting the profane things at him. Yeah. And one of the, it was, it, it was such a me statement. I, I, I actually, when, when, when Kyle said this, I was like, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd a hundred percent said that. Absolutely. But he was like, the prosecution was telling him, Hey, one of those guys that you pointed a gun at him and you said, I did. Was that a lie? And he was like, that was sarcasm, man. Like when somebody says, Hey, you did this to me. And I was like, I did. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> total sarcasm because i was trying to defuse a situation that would have gone way further had i not just said something simple like i did oops (laughs) yeah Um, it was really funny because uh they that was one of the arguments that the prosecution tried to use is that if he had a medical bag and everything why didn't he stop and try to give first aid to the people that he shot um when you have these people that are trying to attack you right and you have more people trying to swarm in to attack you right. your first instinct is going is to, to save be my yeah why did you run away and, and the also, other he thing said whatever whatever he shot the guy in the arm it's like how like really whatever if if i were to shoot you would you be so open to me bandaging up your arm say hey i'm sorry i just shot you i'm gonna bandage up your arm for you you okay with that yeah no, you know, you'd be trying to stab me or yeah, something. Exactly. You know, another thing they they went after him with was hold on, let me let me regather my my thoughts there because I was thinking about it until until you said that, and then my mind, <laughs> meep, 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 meep. Uh, which it does that it my wanders, does that it, it does it wanders a lot way away from from what I was. Oh, oh yeah. So so the uh, back boop, trains back on track. Um, they were making the argument. They're saying, well, you know. In the video, you shoot him twice or, or once, and he starts going down, and you shoot him more times. He's like, I think it was three more times. It was a total of three shots. So boom, boom, boom. He's like, why did you continue shooting? He said, I continued shooting until he was no longer a threat. Yeah, and that's exactly. Ask anybody who trains weapons. It doesn't matter, military or civilian. Anybody who trains weapons on the planet the man that originally and trained they me will tell you, you know, if that is a threat, shoot until it's not a threat yeah, anymore. That, because that is, at the end of the day, one of us is going home. Right. Right. You and know, I want to be that guy. And otherwise, I mean, why would I even shoot him? Typically, you know? even in, in any sort of like self-defense training, they will teach you to double tap somebody. Generally it's two to the chest, one to the head. Exactly. You know, Except in North Carolina, they don't they don't they don't like headshots in North Carolina. Oh really? No, no, it's it's a body mass, or it is considered 
uh, intentional problems. <laughs> it's it considered was, intentional homicide. I was trained in Georgia, y'all. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I, I was not trained that way, but when I went through all the certifications for uh, handgun training here in North Carolina, that was one of the big things they drove home was if you shoot him in the head, it was an accident. Yeah. Oh, I see. Uh, the guy that trained us in North Carolina, he was, uh, you know, ex-Blackwater, you know, very trained, part of the sniper team in the county he was with. He was, he was that guy. He was legit. And uh, that's one of the things he he really drove home to us. He was like, it's full body mass, you know, shoot till they're no longer a threat. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So, well, we'll take a break right there and we'll be back with the meat of today, which is, what does it mean to be a friend? All right, we are we back. are back. So our topic of today, what is a friend? And so we have people with blue letters. Do you have blue letter on your phone? I have letters that are indeed blue. The bluest letters, which is funny because all their the text, bluest of all letters. All their text is in black. Yeah. <laughs> or red. Of, you know, it's it's kind of a <coughs> marketing fraud or something. <laughs> the, red, the red letter. Yeah. Uh, no, but this is the blue letter. Blue Letter, ladies and gentlemen, is a wonderful app when it works on your phone. Which it normally does, but my it's phone is... all technology for you. It's good when it works. It's good when it works. That's right. That's right. So I'm going to close a page here. I've just got... Uh... Oh, look, my opening. What does it mean to be a friend? Huh. Look huh. there. Well, I suppose the question to ask is, Brig, what does it mean to be a friend? Wow. Well, I'm... As most people will say, not the person you want to ask that question to unless you want like uh, a deep, detailed. <laughs> what do you mean by that question? Because for me, the, the word friend is is a deep instilled word. It doesn't mean acquaintance, someone I met on the street, someone I work with. A lot of people have that view of friend. Like they've the word has turned into someone, you know, right? And if they are a friend the, of mine. And if you're from the South, it's not a friend. It's a friend. It's a friend. Yeah, you. you got I got friend. my friends, and I can I can tell you I can I can count my friends on uh, both hands. Uh, if I got down to the nitty gritty uh, of like the people that would be there under any circumstance, uh, I can do that on one hand. Not a lot of people can do that because we include all acquaintances, people that we work with, people that we met at the the gas pump. You know, I met them and they gave me their number, so I'm a friend. She's a good friend of mine. He's a good friend of mine. I hate that. I, 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 I hate that in the whole word that you can use the word hate. It's a terrible, it's a terrible aspect to take because that's not what the Bible says. That's it's really, if you want to go, we can start with, uh, with John 15, 13. And this is ESB that I'm reading from, uh, here on this one. I've got a couple different versions cause I just kind of put this together uh, with, with a couple different versions. I just want to preface with, uh, Brig has a, a much stronger idea of the word friend than I do. And we've he talked about, we've talked about this do. before. Uh, Brig has a very, you know, kind of a cut and dry uh, idea of friendship. And uh, he has turned me closer and closer <laughs> towards his thinking. Uh, but I'm not, I'm not there yet. <laughs> Uh, you'll get it. It took me years. It took me years, and and I'll tell you what what prompted it. 
was uh, when I when I went through my divorce, uh, it dawned on me that there were only a couple people I could call to talk about my problems, yeah. visit with, have a conversation with that were going to be willing to listen. Yeah. Uh, there, I've, I've had friends in the past that they were friends to an end. Yeah. They're friends because you were beneficial to them, and that to me is an alliance. It's not a friendship because mm-hmm. alliances shift. Right, and you alliances know? are purely for the purpose of of. Uh, you have something protection and gain. You yeah, have something to, you have something I want. I have something you want. So right now we are in right, that right. relationship. Yeah. It's that's not friendship. No. You know, John, uh, John fifteen thirteen. This is you know from from Jesus here. You know, greater love hath no man than this to lay down one's life for one's friend. That's yeah. that's you know from Jesus right there. Pre- and <laughs> that's honestly, pretty cut and dry. Honestly, one of the uh, uh, there are incredible examples in the Bible. Uh, the best examples are from the Bible, but um, a, a, a contemporary example that is absolutely fantastic would be one of my favorite movies, Tombstone. Huh. Uh, and Brig knows exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> what does uh, what does Doc Holliday say? Doc Holliday say in Tombstone? Yeah, he's being questioned where. You know, he's like, why, why are you even on this trip with us? You know, and this is actually being a Doc Holiday fanatic. This is actually something he did say. Uh, Texas Jack is actually the one that he said it to. And he documented in, in, in some of his information after Holiday passed. We, that can, that was, we can even do we can even do a straight like, uh, yeah, uh, line I mean, for line. At, ask the question. <laughs> you know, he was he was like, man, why are you even why are you even on the trip with us? You know, you're you're sick. Why Shouldn't you be in bed? Why it is my friend? Yeah, like, well, I, Doc, I got lots of friends. I don't. Yeah, and that was that was word <laughs> for word how it was, and they actually uh, a lot of people don't know they they pulled this from Texas Jack's um, memoirs. Really? Well, yeah, that that line wow. is pulled from Texas Jack's memoirs of of his his relationship with Holiday, because his relationship with Holiday extended to that venture because he didn't know Holiday before that. He yeah. knew Wyatt. This was this was his first run with Holiday, and he's running with this guy who, dying of consumption. At any point, he could fall off his horse, and that'd be the end of Doc Holiday, you know. But he he pursued because he was like, at the end of the day, if I'm going to be in a gunfight, I want to be in a gunfight with my friend. With my friend, you know. Yes, and, and I mean, what better way to go? I mean, honestly, think about it. Yeah, I mean, he put he and and he did not die on that little venture. He I died. Mean, a couple I, of years later, in a in a hospital, but yeah, when I when I was when I was little, there was a lot of things that um, you know that I do for fun and try to get you know personal gain. You know, I mean, like feel really good about this, mm-hmm. that, and the other. But one of the things that was kind of hammered into me, probably from a bunch of uh, earlier Disney cartoons, was just the idea of honor, right? You know, honor. And Wyatt, uh, I mean, uh, Doc Holliday had. Scoundrel though he was. Scoundrel though he was, had a sense of honor. And one of the things that, you know, if he was going to die, he was going to die with his friends mm-hmm. and um, with his boots on, which, like Brig just said earlier, it's funny, he didn't die with his boots on. <laughs> uh, it's it's debated. The hospital. There, is a, there is a reference, and, and it's very debatable because they only have one... They only have one uh, uh, point, what do you call it, a reference point uh-huh. from someone who was one of the nurses in the hospital, and she wrote down that 
she was walking in the room and Doc Holliday looked down at his feet and said, well, that's funny. And then died. And nobody knew what that meant until years later when people started going through the memoirs of different people that knew Holiday and knew that his one of his big phrases was, I'm, I'm ready to die with my boots on. Right. So and, he looks at his feet and he's like, well, even that woman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, he, he did not die with his boots on. And that was kind of his his last moment because he, yeah. he he literally died as this woman was walking into uh, into the room. So, you know, that's... You know that was timing. It he was, was waiting for it. He's like, hold on. These will be immortal words here. So uh, walk into the room. Okay, now's my chance. Isn't that funny? And then he just dies. You know? I know. I know. <laughs> he's holding and, on. And, and in all honesty, he probably died in one of the worst ways that I, I think oh, you could. Absolutely. Um, at this point, they didn't have a cure for... And when I say consumption, he died of tuberculosis. Yeah, uh, this is something that... Uh, it's, not really, it's not really a problem anymore. Right. Uh, most of because we can actually treat it now, so it's not really like something that's gonna be a major outbreak. But back then, in in that time, nobody knew how to stop it or what caused it. But they it, thought they thought that consumption was uh, it was bad air, and so oftentimes they'd send you to a sanitarium, which is you know out in the middle of nowhere where the air is better. You know, right? And that's that's where he died. He died in Colorado Springs. Um, you know, in the in the sanitarium they have up there, which now I believe is the Colorado Springs Memorial Hospital. I'd um, call it the Doc Holiday Hospital. <laughs> I know, right? Shouldn't you? Yeah. Uh, I think that's the place. I'm not 100% sure on that, so nobody quote me on that. But I think I remember reading that it's now part of the Memorial Hospital, okay. uh, or at least a, a building of it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I have no no actual facts in front of me to back that up. I just remember reading that at one point, never went back and looked it up. So, so yeah, anytime, anytime I think of uh, friendship, I always think of doc holiday, you know, Wyatt Opus, my friend. He is, he's, he's a good, he's a good uh, cornerstone. And for, what know. he meant by that was I am out here where chances are many of us, if not all of us are going to die. Uh, we're in a shootout, but there's no place on earth I'd rather be than, fighting with and for with my friend my friend um and just like jesus said you know no greater love hath a man uh, than that he giveth his life for a friend um and that uh for all of his many 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 faults <laughs> he, he had, plenty had that right <laughs> Uh, he was uh, he was a man of many faults. That's for sure. Absolutely. He was uh, you, you know you got to think he was he was a well educated man for his time too. You know he spent uh, early life uh, really a school kid. Mm-hmm. Very he might very much loved school. Very much uh, cared about his education. Even went to dental school, which dental school now is very laughable compared to what it was then. But, you know, still, he did go through that, that dental education and became a dentist. And about the time he got his licenses, when he started uh, having problems, and just a couple years later, he had, you know, they, they confirmed that he was, you know, a, a, what do you call it, a, a casualty of consumption. A tuberculotic. <laughs> yeah. Um, and at that point, like, they, they didn't even know anything about it, you know. There were rumors at this point spreading that it was, you know, uh, that it was the the curse of vampires. I mean, there was a lot of stuff that spread of what it actually was. So nobody actually treated it uh, other than with uh, laudanum, which yeah. 
He just, didn't. <laughs> he did not. He was a confirmed alcoholic, and right. that so he was just treated it with alcohol. He treated it with alcohol, uh, and uh, one yeah. is just as bad as the other. It, it is. You I mean, either one. you're going to get addicted to either one. You're Might likely as well be alcoholic. You're your your liver's going either way. Yeah. So, I mean, pick pick which one you enjoy. Yeah. I don't imagine laudanum tasted great. Yeah. So, uh, I I it's could. It's an opioid, isn't it? It is. Yeah. yeah. It's it's a lot like heroin. There's a lot of there's a lot of people back then who had, you know, well, relatively minor anything that caused you pain. They they gave you laudanum, and they would give you laudanum for it because it was an opioid. You know, it made you feel better, and they would get addicted to it. I think I think I read it one time that it was one step away from morphine. Right. In fact, I think uh, uh, Wyatt Earp's wife, first wife. Uh, was addicted to a lot. Yeah, yeah. She she actually she got addicted because she had a cold, yeah. and they they prescribed it to her give for a cold. Of, that's the that's the modern day pills, you know. Just give them pills, you know. They'll fix something, you know. And back then, it's like give them a lot, and that'll fix something. And honestly, that's what drove Wyatt away from her. Yeah. Was you know she couldn't. And 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 you got to understand Wyatt from that. He was a, a previous alcoholic, yeah. that from that point wouldn't wouldn't touch the the stuff. And so, you know, you have your wife, you know, getting getting addicted to to these these type of things. I mean, it's a addiction in that sense is really going to be very similar. So, yeah. you know, he couldn't draw her away from that. Not that I'm giving him an out or an excuse because I'm not. That's yeah. that's not at all what I'm saying. But that is that is the reason. But if you open the Bible there to Luke five seventeen and Luke-y-loo. read that read that through verse twenty for us. Matthew, Mark, Luke. I am the worst when it comes to Bible books. If I don't sing the little Bible song in my head, I'm just glad I have Blue Letter and I can just go through the quick nav. And I would normally do that too. And I do have Blue Letter literally, literally pulled up on my phone. But I also have a Bible right in front of me, and it's literally, you know, has pages. I do like paper a lot better. What did you say, Luke? What now? Luke five, five seventeen through 17. verse twenty. Mm-hmm. Want me to read it out loud? No, in your head. I'm sure everyone can navigate that. Honestly, they might be able to hear it. (laughs) Uh, All right, let's see. So, uh, Jesus forgives the paralytic. Uh, You said 517 through what now, what now? Uh, 517 through 20. Through 20, all right. Now, it happened on a certain day, as he was teaching, that there was Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Then, behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him, him being Christ. And when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up in the housetop and let him down with his bed through the top, uh, through the tiling, into the midst before Jesus. When he saw their faith, he said to them, Man, your sins are forgiven you. No, it's through 20. No, it's through 20. You went through 25? That's the end of the story here. (laughs) No, I'm just looking at uh, the difference between apparently the New King James and the ESP. Oh! (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, The reference that I was uh, looking for there, which I... Don't let me quote Doc Holiday again because I'm going to. Speak you, like him you, you've gotten into that Georgia, that Simon Georgia. I'm going to be talking yeah. like him the rest of the week. The rest of the week. <laughs> and you know I can do it too. Yeah. 
for a while. I, 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 I don't, I don't denounce it. I like a, it. There was a brewery that we went to, and uh, the entirety of the time that I was at this brewery, I was talking about Johnny Holiday, and the reason was because Brig quoted him, and then I quoted him, and then I was hooked. <laughs> I forget what brewery was that. That was when we went to the Bearwater Brewery. That's right. Yeah, you spent the whole time there doing that, and they loved it. <laughs> so, and I, I guess it's not the ESB. I was looking at a burst earlier. Uh, uh, I am trying to locate it now where that uh, that came in. Yeah, where he says, "Friend, your sins are forgiven." Uh. Well, yeah, in the New King James here, it says, man, your sins are forgiven you. So I believe it says, it looks like in the NIV, it says, friend, huh? your your sins are forgiven you. And so that right there is that love, because at the end of the day, where did where did Jesus end up for everyone's sins? Right, on the cross. He um, ended up... Going with what you were saying about uh, him calling him friends, if you look in John 15, verses 14 and 15, it gives a a description as to why he called him friend. It says, uh, ye are my friends if ye do whatsoever I command you. Mm -hmm. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what the Lord doth. But I have called you friends, for all things I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. And that's yeah. You have repentance right there being one of the things that And you know, Jesus is his whole life, his the, the life of Jesus as a man, which I say I say that because like the life of Jesus is like Y'all, Jesus is God. He's been around since the beginning, and he'll be there to the end. Yeah, time cannot break that down. And so when I say the life of Jesus, I mean Jesus as a man, because that was finite. Um, But Jesus is always, he is the ultimate man. If you think about it, uh, what, what breaks a man down? Well, what breaks a man down is his sins, okay? That's the reason why... Um, you know, the Garden of Eden was not the Earth of Eden. Right. You know, it's because we're sinful. It's because uh, we are imperfect. We have sinned before God, and there's punishments involved there. And so uh, Jesus was the ultimate man so that he could be the ultimate sacrifice. It's interesting that you said that. You ca- you're kind of rolling into what I had next. I yeah. love that. And so. No, go ahead, go ahead. No, go no, ahead. no, you, you weren't finished. Go well, ahead. Well, what I was going to say is, you know, if you look in the Old Testament, we have all of these sacrifices that were pointing towards right. the ultimate sacrifice, right. Jesus on the cross. And there are laws that God put in place to make sure that when you sacrificed to God as a remission for, for sins, you didn't just grab the uh, moldy, old, dying cow that would make logical sense to, you know, to get rid of. Right. No, 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 no. This is the prized. This was the fattest. This was the strongest. This was the, the you know, the, the pick of the litter. You know, uh, you didn't just sacrifice uh, some skinny old, you know, uh, cricket. To God, no, no, no! You sacrificed 
the the heifer of heifers, the fatted calf. You know, he is just that show taking, animal you were about to take to market and make the most money. Further, taking that a step further, according to everything that I've researched about the sacrifices that had to be done, not only were you picking your prized animals, the whole family had to become attached to that animal. They had to love that animal. So basically their pet is what they were sacrificing. Right, right. They befriended that animal and they had to sacrifice it. And it's the lamb without blemish. So if you had, it could be the strongest cow out there, but if it, if it had a blemish, like, you know, if it if it uh, got a cut or something like that, then no, that one's right out. You know, it's got it to be perfect. It couldn't have broken perfect. bones or anything. Right. Right. It couldn't have spots on it. Couldn't it be couldn't lame have, in any way. Couldn't be lame in any way. It had to be absolutely perfect. Okay, yeah. and that those are sacrifices that are foreshadowings and pointings towards Christ. Right. Okay, because uh, Christ, is, uh, you know, the reason why Christ had to die is because the only thing that really could take away our sins would be something that's on our level. Right that did the same that, you know, that, you know, uh, is being sacrificed for us. You know, if, if a cow dies and it would make sense that another cow has to be sacrificed for it. Right. You know, I mean, if a cow commits a sin, then a cow has to be sacrificed as, you know, penance for that sin. If a man commits a sin, then a man has to be sacrificed for that sin. You know, right. if you're going to, if, if, if sin, if, if death is the penalty for sin, right. Then the only way to pay that price with a death is with something that is equal in value to whatever sin you're trying to get rid of. Right. You know? And if, if a man committed the sin, then you can't sacrifice your dog because the dog is not of equal value. No. Right. You can't sacrifice a bald eagle, however rare it is, because it's not of equal value. Well, the eggs, people might might disagree with you. Okay, yeah. fair point. <laughs> you can sacrifice a bald eagle. No, um, but if if a man sins, then it's got to be a man that is sacrificed to pay that price. To pay that price, yeah. and according to the Old Testament laws, it had to be what a perfect sacrifice. In this case, man. So Jesus was that perfect sacrifice. Now, right. here's the funny thing. Was Jesus washed before he was crucified? Was Jesus uh, without blemish? <laughs> he was washed he was in crucified? his own blood. Let's put it that way. No, he was beaten. <laughs> he was sore. He probably didn't even look like Jesus because he was, you know, uh, beaten, crown of thorns, blood everywhere. Um, not really a pretty sacrifice, but here's the interesting thing. Jesus made it quite clear that the New Testament, the new, the new covenant is about the spirit. Right. And it was the spirit that was pure, perfect, unblemished. Jesus's body, though it was, you know, lacerated, cut, bruised, um, you know, uh, beaten within an inch of his life. Right. Uh, Though that was imperfect because of every bad thing that had happened to him before the sacrifice, he was spiritually perfect. Think about it. He's God. He is the definition. He defines perfect. Right. He cannot sin. He 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 is the 
the ultimate man, right? right? And so he's the one that was sacrificed. Okay. And so what does Jesus say? Um, Greater love hath no man than that he giveth his life for a friend. Okay. So Jesus says that he's our friend, right? And so because uh, greater love hath no man. So what is the greatest love that you can have for somebody? The only way that you can show that is if you die for somebody. You can't always show how great your love is for somebody. You know, it's a rare opportunity that you get to die for somebody else, right? But that is that the, is the ultimate ul sacrifice. Exactly. That exactly. is the ultimate sacrifice because you're giving up yourself because you are viewing that person as more important. That person, right. it has more value. So you're giving yourself up for that other person. Right. And before we start walking into that, I have something for that in a little bit. Okay. So let's let's sure. time out sure. on that sure. one. I'm good. Uh, we'll we'll circle back to that. Yeah. <laughs> Don't let me steal your fire if you've got but, prepared. <laughs> but. Uh, name one person in the Old Testament who lost everything. Yeah. Job. Oh, oh y'all are good. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Job 6.14, and, and this just goes back to what I've said probably hundreds of times now on this podcast. I read something, and I'm like, wow. Haven't read that before. But I've read it, but I haven't picked up on this. Job 6.14 is anyone who withholds kindness from a friend. So someone that you call a friend forsakes the fear of the Almighty. Ah. Uh, so if you withhold kindness from a friend, then say that again. You forsake fear of the Almighty. Wow. Which means that you are not fearing God. You're not fearing God and you're negating your friend. Wow. So that means if you love your friend, then you do fear God. Right. Which is, why is that so important? Because God God commands us to love each other. It's a command. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. Right. Right. And so if you do, if you forsake showing love to a friend, you don't fear God, a.k.a. you're breaking God's law. Mm-hmm. And Job wow. goes on further to say in 1621, on behalf of a, of a man, he pleads with God as one pleads for a friend's life. Wow. Wow. Now, I want to take, take a moment to think about that, digest that a little bit. What did Jesus say on the cross about the people who were literally murdering him. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Exactly. Right. He was basically begging for the people who were I'll, Yeah, I'll, I'll read that again. And the, you got to think, this is kind of a shadowing of Christ, because this is, this is before Christ, really. If we want to say Job is probably the oldest book in the Bible. Yeah, don't mix and match. Come on, no. That's not... <laughs> but... Uh, Read this again. So 1621 is on behalf of a man. He pleads with God as one pleads for a friend. That is pretty much what Jesus did on the cross when he was, you know, pleading for the forgiveness of the people who were literally murdering him on the cross. And he's pleading with God, forgive them. Yeah. 
They don't understand any of this. One of the things that's not, you know, in a way he's saying it's not their fault. They don't understand. They don't, they don't have the teachings. There's a, there's a lot of different hymns that come to mind whenever we talk about friends, just because there's a lot of friends, uh, uh, him is talking about, you know, well, what a friend we have in Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus. And there's, you know, several other, other different hymns. Right. One of them is, um, uh, I forget the name of the hymn. It's generally the first couple lines, but, uh, the chorus in the third line is, uh, it's talking about the, the scars that were given to Jesus on the cross. Right. Each wound is crying out, forgive them, Lord, forgive, they cry, forgive them, Lord, forgive, they cry. Right. Um, and it's saying all of those wounds that Jesus had, uh, were begging God to forgive the ones who gave him those wounds. Right. Wow. And you got to think it's Jesus who said, you know, greater hath no love than a man who lay down his life for a friend, you know? I like that. Greater hath no love. Yeah. <laughs> greater love hath no does there that Does that make is. you feel better? Just a little bit. I was, was good. There's one of those times when somebody says something, you just sit there and just wait. And then they're like, let me say that again. It's like, yeah. <laughs> oh, I do that all the time. The I know it life. and it's, it's in the there. Story of my life. It's in there and then it comes out backwards and dyslexia it's like. Dyslexia kicks in. <laughs> yeah. That <laughs> moment of dyslexia that? kicks in. It's I like, don't oh. have lyxdexia. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, what my brain always does, is it tries to say two words at the same time. Yeah. Because there's. There's a thought that I'm trying to put out, and there's two words that describe that thought. And my brain cannot figure out which one of those it wants to use at the moment. And so it uses it both them. of them. It combines them. And so I make this new word. It's a combination of two words that mean essentially the same thing. So we're going to take a break right here, and we'll come back with Joe. Give me just a minute. All right, we are backity back. So we are going to read, and it took a, it took a little bit. Uh, it wasn't Job. I was putting my notes down. I was reading a lot of Job because, for me, that book is it's easy to get sucked in. It is. So I was referencing a lot of that, and it was actually uh, Psalms I was referencing. So uh, most likely David we're talking about, not Job. Yeah. So if we'll read, we're going to start reading here at uh, 35, verse 10 of the book of Psalms. We we're going to go through the verse of uh, 14 in Psalms. Psalms 35, verse 10. All my bones shall say, Lord, who is like you, delivering the poor from him who is too strong for him? Yes, the poor and the needy from, who, from him who plunders him. Fierce witnesses rise up. They ask me things that I do not know. They reward me evil for good to the sorrow of my soul. But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled myself with fasting, and my prayer would return to my own heart. I paced about as though he were my friend or brother. I bowed down heavily as one who mourns for his mother. So right there, and it's, it's actually notes that I have in there coincide with that. So I know that's the verse I was reading nice. when I went through that. But we have a reference here of the mourning of of a lost friend 
as if it was the same as your brother and you were mourning for your mother. You have that same family connection. And it's really interesting because I looked up, you know, I like to take really all of, of anything when I'm looking up definitions, you know, I like to go to the dictionary and and see what the called secular definition, Mm -hmm. the definition in its, you know, virgin state aside from, you know, Christianity or any other beliefs. And that's not the urban dictionary, right? It is not. <laughs> it is not. This is uh, this is Google's little dictionary, okay. and it's uh, the first uh, reference for it as a as a it's a noun, mm-hmm. a person whom one knows and with whom one has a bond of mutual affection, typically exclusive to any sexual or family relations. Yeah. So that's verse or verse. That's. Answer one to, you know, what a friend is, dictionary-wise. Uh, number two is a member of a religious society, a friend, or a Quaker. So I didn't actually know that. That was new, but I guess that, you know, goes to that, you know, Brother John. I guess. Type yeah. type thing, but, uh, yeah. And uh, the informal version, which this is where I say it's now been extended to things that don't mean friend. The informal version is someone who is associated with a social network in which you are with. And that'd be the one that you reject. Right. right. <laughs> you, that's an association. That's not a friend. You are associated with this person. You know this person in passing. They filled up their gas tank when you did. And you talked for 30 minutes. And they gave you your phone number. And that does not make them your friend. Because chances are if you you know called them in a crisis, they'd be like, ah, I'm busy. I don't know you. The thing is, it does not mean that you cannot build a friendship with that person. No, but the simple, I know this person by name, does not make them your friend. Friendships are built, you know, just in the same way that a, a relationship with a brother. That doesn't, you know, that, that relationship with a brother takes from the time they're they're born over many years. And then when you're an adult, it's like, this is my brother. I care for him. This is not something that, like, they didn't come out full-born going, Hey, I am your brother, and we're going to be best friends. So here's something that I was just thinking of, and this is, um, uh, if we were in a debate, this would be a question I'd ask. So... I love debates. Yeah. Intrigue me. Uh, Greater love hath no man than that he giveth his life for a friend. Now, is that quote, is he talking about love or is he talking about friendship? He's talking about both. Okay. Because uh, I'm actually getting there. If we, we can actually jump there to answer that question. Mm-hmm. Because the other reference that I had. So he's not saying greater friendship hath no man. He says greater love hath no man. So if right. something has a level of degrees here, he's talking about love, right? Not friendship, right? Right, but it still ties into well, what tie, the definition of friendship it is. It does tie. It does tie in. But if you wanted to go with the definition of love, your turn. My turn. Yep, yep. You're gonna pull up Song of Solomon, five sixteen. And so again, the argument that I would be making there, just to just to have an argument for the sake of argument would be um, 
you know, the focus of this, uh, of that passage is not actually the friend, it's the love. Right. So what a, creates that friendship, though? That, that That's what creates a friendship. Well, what, what he's giving degrees of is in love. This is greater love. Right. The other way around would be greater friendship hath no man than that he love his friend. Right, or he give his life for somebody that he loves, and he's giving the he, he's giving the the resource of love, but what does love mean? Right, right, and it doesn't necessarily. Well, love would mean that you're giving life for a friend. Friendship. What I'm saying is that, right? If you look at this as a syllogism, mm-hmm. right? What it says is, "Greater love hath no man than that he give his life for a friend." The other way around would be greater friendship hath no man than that he give his life for one he loves. Right, right. No, and it's not necessarily, I'm not saying that it can't be taken that way logically. What I am saying is that that's not the order that it's in. Right, and that's why I was uh, getting you to read the Luke 5, 17. Yeah. Where yeah. it really gives a little deeper, deeper definition of potentially the kind of love that Jesus was talking about right and there. Did I read that? You did. Yes, 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 yes. yes I don't yes, have that in front of me. I no, didn't no, copy no, and I paste got, it. I, right here. I actually made a bookmark. So, yes, I did read it. So, read it again just so we can have a yeah, little yeah, refresher. Yeah. Um, uh, 17 through 20. Yeah. Now, it happened on a certain day as he was teaching, he being Jesus, that there was Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by uh, who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord is present to heal them. Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who is paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. When he saw their faith, he said to them, Man, or in your translation, the ESV, I guess, friend, your sins are forgiven. I think it was the NIV I was using. NIV, okay. I believe so, yeah. And and then I reference Job 6.14, which then explains that kind of further. It says, anyone who withholds kindness from a friend forsakes the fear of the Almighty. Well, we know the fear of the Almighty is love of God. Mm-hmm. And so if you translate that, you also have the love of a friend. You know, so if you're going to withhold that love from a friend, that mm-hmm. kindness and kindness more directly is is translated just like in Timothy six eleven, where it says loving kindness. That's really what the phrasing here is. Absolutely. Anyone who withholds that loving kindness from a friend forsakes the fear of the almighty. So if right. you're if you're withholding that love from from a friend, you're withholding that love from God. You're you're taking that away. You don't fear the Lord. You don't love the Lord. You're you're kind of a standalone, you know, man who is a an island of his own. Right, right. Do you have that pulled up? You wanted Song of Solomon five verse. Uh, let's see here. Five sixteen. Sixteen. Okay. Um, it says his mouth is most sweet yet he is altogether lovely this is my beloved this is my friend O daughters of jerusalem so now this right here is referring to friendship slash love of a spouse is what it's is what it's referring to here yeah so you also have that as a degree of friendship which often is negated people don't think about that 
like yeah. your your best friend being your husband or your wife that's often just like if you go from verse five, or verse 10 in chapter 5 all the way down you actually get a breakdown of different read it read it for us it says my beloved is white and ruddy the chiefest among 10,000 he his head is the most is as the most fine gold his locks are bushy and black as a raven his eyes are as the eyes of doves by the river of waters washed with milk and fitly set his cheeks are as a bed of spices as sweet flowers his lips are like lilies dropping sweet smelling myrrh his eyes are as gold rings set with the barrel. His belly is as bright ivory overlaid with sapphires. So obviously he didn't get enough sun. <laughs> His legs are as pillars of marble set upon sockets of fine gold. His countenance is as Lebanon, excellent as the cedars. His mouth is most sweet, yea, he is altogether lovely. This is my beloved. This is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. Going through those verses, she gives a breakdown of what her love looks like. The person she loves, the person she calls her friend. She had to spend an immense amount of time with this man in order to be able to break down every little detail like that. And then not only break down those details, but compare them to things that were greatly cherished in that time. Mm -hmm. So it's like this is somebody that she spent probably a good portion of her life with up until this point. I think I think more accurate. I think it's about eight years is what is what biblically they have but, been able. By the time this was written, from the time that she spent with Solomon, I think that's I, if I remember correctly reading that it's been a long time. I have an entire book on the Song of Solomon. I didn't know it was that deep. I literally found this book on Amazon. I was like, ah, this seems like a good breakdown. Very interesting book. But the I think the common the common thought is eight years, which the, that is a that is a long time. I mean it's a long time. Jakota is six years old. I mean, yeah. I can tell you things about Jakota that just a random person wouldn't know, even people that have known him for a little while, because I have been with him day in and day out for the past six years. Yeah, that's Two years extra on this one. Yes, it's two years extra. So, I mean, yeah. it's spending that amount of time around a person, she was able to pick up different attributes of this person in order to be able to describe them to people. And it, it also shows the level of admiration she had for him as well because it's like she's not just saying like surface level things like oh i like him because of this and this she's putting passion into it absolutely yes and so that is you know like i said another another level of friendship mm -hmm. where you have this relationship between a husband and a wife right. who is your your confidant your best friend mm -hmm. and so that is you know aside from like uh, the actual definition of friendship excludes you know any sexual relationship that kind of thing family i don't think it should you know you should uh, there's a different level of friendship you have your level of friendship of a husband or a wife 
uh, or you have your level of a friendship is who can I call in that one time? And I know that they'll be there. You know, I think you and I talked about this the other night. I have like three people mm-hmm. that I can think, Hey, I can call any one of those three people and they'll be there. Really doesn't matter. And that's what a friendship is. Right. You know, there's, there's not a, there's not a question of like, you know, I have a list. It's who I'm going to call if something goes awry and I need that. Mm-hmm. That's who those people are. They are my friends. That That's what I have. Now, my friendship does extend past that, but those would be the top ones that I would call if something happened. Right. You know, but I found, uh, I was doing a little bit of research earlier, and I don't know anything about this site, but I was reading through it, and I was like, oh, this is actually really good information. Uh, and it's from 21 or 412teens.org. And I'm sure they're referencing a Bible verse in which I do not know what Bible verse they're referencing. 412 teens? Right. 412 isn't very descriptive. No, it's not. Uh, I know, like, uh, this, what, First Thessalonians. There's only 66 books that they could be referencing 412. I know, I know. <laughs> so, like I said, I don't, uh, I haven't really read, like, anything about how they are, what, what that's referencing. But that's the, uh, that's the site that I found this Okay. One. And I'm going to go ahead. Let me check our time I'm here. Sure that they have a good reason. Absolutely positive. We've got time. All right. So starting from the verse here, where it says, "If you will flip open the book of Romans to answer this question, you will find Romans five seven through eight. Would you uh, click on? Would you uh, open that up for us? Romans five seven through eight. And going and going through what you're saying, they are doing a lot of referencing of love and friendship. Yeah, uh, that was Romans five, correct? Five, seven through eight. Seven through eight. Okay. Here we go. I missed it. it I do have it here, but I think the the they're using the English Standard Version, yeah. so um, I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of that version. Now, hope does not disappoint, because the love of God hath been poured out. In our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Which is funny, that is completely different than the version they have here. I'm just going to read that for, you know, context of, yeah, for reference. They have, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare to even die. But God shows his love for us, and while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's like a super simplified version of the long answer. Yeah. And that right there is that, that love we were talking about on the cross. Right. That... You know, the, you have that, you know, Jesus friend of sinners mentality. Yeah. And the second one they verse, or the second one they reference here, is actually the exact one that I referenced, which is, uh, let, me, let me say it right, greater love hath no one 
than this, and they will lay down their life for his friends. That right there is the second one that they they reference. And the context here is there it is. Willingness, willingness to lay down your life for a person you call friend. That is the true biblical definition of a friendship. If you will stop reading the article right now and walk away with that, you will be left with, with more than enough to muse for the rest of your days. So that right there, you know, they're basically saying, if you walked away right now having no more information than that, that should that should suffice you as what is a friend. Right. So like I was saying before, Jesus is the ultimate man. If it says that he is a friend of sinners, so he is going to be the ultimate friend. And who defines what a friend is, just like Brig was saying? Jesus. He says, greater love. And we should hear, try to define ourselves hear, with Jesus anytime we come. Jesus, uh, love, ha- my goodness. Hold on, say that love, again, just like you said it. I don't feel so bad now. Hath no man than that he giveth his life for a friend. Okay. And so Jesus is the greatest human. He calls himself our friend. So he is the, you know, uh, he has the greatest love. He calls himself our friend. And so he becomes our greatest friend. Um, okay. there's, there's two verses in Proverbs that kind of go along with that as well. Um, I'm going to be doing it out of order because mm-hmm. of the context that I'm trying to get to. But you go with Proverbs 18.24. You have a man that hath friends must shew himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Mm -hmm. the interesting thing that got me whenever i read it this time is a lot of times whenever when i was growing up it was always uh pointed out to me oh if you want to be friend if you want to have friends you need to show yourself friendly you need to be friendly in order to have friends problem is is i i grew up i am a very friendly person i grew up being friendly you can ask brig i don't really meet a stranger i try to befriend everyone and i have like the lowest standard for friends i meet somebody (laughs) and like you you said that you have a low standard for friends. I probably oh, have, I didn't have a low he, he didn't, he didn't say that. He didn't say no, that. Like, he said his different yeah, from my high yeah, perspective. That's what I'm saying. But it, it's, it's lower. Yeah, lower. lower. Mine is probably lower than that because, like, there'll be somebody random. I'll be telling my this friend of mine is like, um, how are you defining friend with a <laughs> It's somebody that I know. It's, the, the thing is, is that's, that's kind of what built that up in me is that, oh, if you want to be, if you want to have friends, you're going to show you, you have to be friendly. But reading it now, today, is like, it doesn't say if you want to have friends, you have to show yourself friendly. It says the man that hath friends must shoe himself friendly, meaning that if you have friends, you have to be friendly. Right, yeah. It's not saying that, oh, well, I can decide whether I want to be friendly to you today or well, not. I would say if you want to gain friends. Yes. Um, um, it has to be friendly. But the other verse in Proverbs is Proverbs seventeen seventeen. It says, a friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Both of those went... And put it kind of put a friend in a higher place than a brother because a brother can turn on you. 
-hmm. Like families break apart all the time. But in order for you to be a friend, there is a greater sense of loyalty there. There is a higher degree of trust there. But it also defines what a friend does. In verse in 1717, it says, a friend loveth at all times. Right. Yeah. Which is the reason why Jesus can say that he was friends to all these people, the sinners and everything, because he loved them. And yeah, his love absolutely. was unchanging. He, he didn't choose to, oh, I love you, but I don't love you. He loved all these people, so these people were his friends. It, it's not defined as whether this person loves you as to whether or not they're your friend. It's if you love them. Because in order for you to be able to lay down your life for someone, you have to love them. Right. So if you, if the definition of a friend to you is do you love that person are you able to love them enough that you would give up your life for them because if you can't do that then they're not your friend yeah i i wholeheartedly agree with that in fact uh, it's it's really it's really funny that you said that because the next portion of this article i'm going to read uh the person's preface where it says, I know for me, reading this and going through the scriptures as I wrote this article, this high standard still blows me over, as it is still a standard that it was set for us by Christ, his being a pure example of his laying down his life for us while we were still soaked in sin, before we even accepted him as our Savior and as our friend. Now, it is highly unlikely that there will be a day that will come when you need to decide who on your Facebook friends list <laughs> you would be willing to lay down your, your life for. Although I am mentally doing the exercise out of curiosity and going back in my mind, <clears throat> and I am completely blown away. Proverbs is an excellent source of wisdom of how we can understand friendship in our better daily life. And they reference uh, Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times. A brother is born with adversity. Didn't you just read that? Yes, I did. Mm -hmm. It's funny. That's what I was like. I'm reading this going, hmm, interesting. Love is a choice. And a true friendship is where we love that friend at all times and not just when it's convenient. <clears throat> A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Proverbs 18.24. I did that one too. <laughs> I know. That's why I was kind of laughing the whole time. You saw a smile on my face as you yeah. were reading? There is nothing wrong with having... I gave her no information of this, by the way. No. <laughs> I gave her nothing. There is nothing wrong with having acquaintances. My exception, see? I didn't even get nothing wrong with that. I, I didn't even get the topic of this podcast until about forty five minutes before podcast left. I know, right? Yeah. Who knows? It said there's nothing wrong with having acquaintances. Oh, I've lost my place here. But remember, there is a friend in our Lord who is there for you at all times. He shouldn't be the last one you go to with your problems. Make him the first. Next paragraph is wounds are from a friend. <laughs> wounds from a friend can be trusted but an enemy will multiply kisses proverbs 27 that, that's actually 
obviously written differently in KJV. It's, they're uh, using they're using the the English Standard Version here, so it's going to well, be a lot different. Yeah, it's it's like a lot different, but it actually hits different when you read it KJV. It says, "Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful." Mm-hmm. Right. Um. The the interesting thing about that is it's saying faithful are the wounds of a friend. In a lot of ways, that's like tough love. Like there are times where you have to give somebody tough love. You have to tell them something that will that will hurt them, but it can be trusted from you because you are somebody who right. they hold dear, and you're doing it because you care for the person. Didn't you just do that to me recently? I did, yes. <laughs> of course, you were trying to agitate a conversation in which you knew that I was going to jump into. <laughs> But at the end of the day, that is, that's what transpired. And from that, they go on to say, one of the greatest things about the true biblical friendship is knowing that when we have a friend, or that when a friend says something to you about an area in which you need to grow, you need, you need their, in- hold on, let me trip over myself a couple more times. Let me start over and not trip over myself. You know their intent is from love. They do not love you and value you. They wouldn't risk telling you something that you didn't want to hear. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Food for thought uh, there. Another verse. I swear, if you reference the next verse that I'm going <laughs> to say in 20 seconds, I quit. Well, the ne- there's another verse in... Uh, chapter 27 that goes along with that um it says ointment and perfumes rejoice the hearts <laughs> so does the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel before that i was actually going to bring that verse up in this whenever you mentioned that we're talking about friends i'm just glad you didn't hit the next verse that i well, have ending this with well i i might because that one's actually the next one down well let's yeah. let's take a break right here and we'll be right back we are back so as you were saying okay going with chapter 27 verse 6 in proverbs it says uh no chapter 27 verse 9 sorry um it's ointment and perfumes rejoice the heart so doth the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel I looked up the definition of the last two words in that verse, hearty counsel, and it actually can be defined as substantial advice. So Mm -hmm. the sweetness of a man's friend is by substantial advice, meaning that you can trust the per what the person tells you. You have enough trust in that person that you take and you take to heart what they tell you and you can actually grow from it. Right. It's substantial. It has substance. It's not just vacuous. It's not like they're telling you these things to be malicious or to hurt you or anything like that. Because sometimes in order for you to grow, you have to be wounded. Right. Right. And and read that that one more time, please. There's um, something I was thinking. It says, ointment and perfumes rejoice the heart, so doth the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. By hearty counsel. And uh, like you said, it has substance. That hearty counsel is going to be 
a substantial counsel. Okay. And, you know, there's a lot of small talk that goes on in life. And that's kind of the meat of most conversation is right. just small talk. Right. And small talk is, it's nice, it's fun, uh, but really it's just surface level. It's like, you know, man, I was drinking my coffee this morning and it was really weak. And the guy across from me is just like, man, I had a weak coffee the other day. It's just nasty. I spit it out. You know, we have something, you know, we could talk about, you know. And that is just surface level. Yeah. Okay. That is, there's nothing deep about that. Literally everybody who, most people has had a bad cup of coffee at some point, whatever. Right. But when you're giving somebody hearty counsel and you give them something that's really deep, something that's actually meaningful, you know, that's when you really, that's generally you get that from a friend, somebody that really cares about you. Because if I don't really care about you, everything's just going to be surface level because I don't really want to go any deeper than that. Right. You're actually taking the time out of your day to make sure this person makes the right decision. Exactly. Exactly. You're, you're not, you are spending your time to lead this person in a way that is right, which is not something you will do for just a random person. You do that. You do that for people that you care for. Right. Right. It's kind of, it's kind of like, you know, the, um, the old guy on a bus or something, you do something foolish and he says, son, let me tell you something. And he just spills his heart out and tells you the right and wrong, this and that and the other. And you're just sitting there like 40 years later, like, that's what that old guy said to me. And it yeah. really meant something to me. You know, you hung on to that. Those were words from a friend, somebody who actually really cared about you. And that actually, that literally, go, all of this goes into the next thing I was going to say, which happens to be in 27, which is where I got a little worried that you were going to steal my flame. But well, I, uh, I know which one you're going with. Then, yeah, yeah, yeah. So verse 27, 6 says, Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiply. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Were we there? We were there yeah, already. You, yeah, you're down further. You're I am down further. I, I, I was up back, uh, back a paragraph. So uh, 27, 17. I knew better. it. I knew it. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Friendship is built as a mutual trust and a respect. And you should be building each other up, not falsely or with empty words, but for the purpose of helping each other grow. And this article is actually from Heidi Jolie, by the way. We'll give her a little shout out. So Good information. Um, there's, there is actually one more verse in Proverbs 27 that speaks about friends. It says, thine own friend and thy father's friend forsake not neither go into thy brother's house in the day of thy calamity for better is a neighbor that is near than a brother far off wow. meaning that you can actually you it's like that's where acquaintances come in like you can have people that are near you that you can trust like it may not be on the same level as a friend but it is better to have acquaintances than to have nobody and have everybody right, that, right. that you can trust. <laughs> See, that's really interesting off. because how often does that happen? It's like, I like there's, there's some old guy, right? I don't know him from Adam, but he knew my dad. 
okay? And he was like, I was good friends with your dad, and he did good things for me. He was a friend. Because your dad was a friend to me, I'm going to be a friend to you. And, you know, that happens really often, and it's just exactly like what you're saying here. Don't forsake the friends of your father. Another thing that there's a good thing about like where it's talking about your father's friends, not to forsake your father's friends is typically whenever it's talking about your father's friends, a lot of times our friends are in our peer range. We're going with people who are around our age because that's where we were raised. We, whenever we're young children, we can meet people that are our age and we can connect with them and we can build a relationship into adulthood. The same goes for our parents and, but it's like whenever it comes to your father's friend, that's most likely going to be someone who is older and much wiser than you. Mm-hmm. So and they are going not to appear. they are going to be able to pass down the wisdom, but from their knowledge and experience mm-hmm. to you, things that they have learned in their time. Which is why the Bible says not to forsake them because they have more knowledge. They can and be matters. a better friend. Yes, they can. Which is exactly what it's talking about uh, earlier in the chapter. It says, "Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful." Mm-hmm. And then it talks about uh, ointment and perfume rejoice the heart. So doth the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. And your father's friend can give you hearty counsel because of experiences that they have had yeah. in their life. Um. There was one more thing that uh, I was thinking about whenever uh, I read those. Um, Whenever it's talking about um, the, uh, it, it talks about in Proverbs a lot, it's talking about like it's putting friends higher than brothers, but it says in that verse, not to go to your brother's house, which it like a lot of times it's like mentioning in there that your brother could be far off, mm-hmm. but it may not just be far off from you physically. You and your brother may not be at the same trust level right. as your father's friends. So it's better for you to go to a neighbor that is closer on that trust level than than for you to go to your brother who you're not sure you can trust him with. Right, right. Go to somebody that you know will help. Yeah. Yeah. And if that's your brother, go to your brother. Right. Your brother is is a better friend than some other friend, but there's often, you know, Possibly more often than not, there's a friend out there that's a better friend than your brother. And that's Um, what he's saying is, you know, don't go to your brother who is near. Go to a friend that you can trust. He's saying, you know, if if you need a, if you need help, go to where you're going to get it. And though your brother is family, you might need to go someplace other than family in order to get the help that you need. There's there's one thing that I'm actually going to bring up that tends to be a little controversial with most people mm-hmm. is I hear a lot nowadays that you you're not your children's friends when it's talking to your parent about parents you're not your children's friends my question is is why can't you be because sure. a, it says in the Bible 
that faithful are the wounds of a friend. Whenever you are correcting your children, right. you, can, your children. you can be the friend to them because you are guiding them. Right. Just like your father's friend, right. they, you are guiding them. You can be every bit of a friend to your child, not on the same peer level. No. But it's more like your father's friend. Absolutely. In that sort of sense, because you are a more more of an authority figure. You are in a higher position for wisdom and experience that they can learn from. Right. But you also, whenever it comes, if, if you want your children to grow up to respect you and to accept your authority that was granted by God, they also have to have trust in you. Right. And in order for you to be a friend, you have to trust the person. So it's like on that same level is there is a way for you to be a friend with your child, but it's not the way the world tries to make it. Oh, well, I don't have to discipline my child or anything. I can be their friend. I can I can let them do whatever they want because right. I'm a friend to them. They're, we're we're going to play. We're going to have fun. That's, that's not friends. Friend, is it? That's not friends. That yeah. is an acquaintance. That is someone that is like, that is a peer. You're not being a peer to your child. You're not, whenever you're talking about being a friend to your child, you're being someone that they can trust to come to with whatever they need. Right. If they have a problem, they can come to you. If they have, if they've done something wrong they can, and they need help in a situation, they know that they can come to you. Yeah. You make yourself available and make them so, make yourself into someone that they can trust so that they have like it, it's it's more than just like the the uh brother thing that it's talking about in the bible where maybe i can trust you maybe i can't right. it's you're supposed to build that friendship to where your child can trust that what it, whenever you say something in as an authority figure for them, like you tell them to do something, that's why it talks it. so much yeah. in the Bible about children obey your parents and everything. But it's the parent's job to build that trust relationship, right, so right. the child will will obey their parent, right? Because they know that whenever you tell them something, it is for a reason. Whenever you tell them something. It is for their safety or their growth. It's yeah. not something that's going to harm them. It's something to better them. And if, you know, if, if greater love <coughs> means greater friendship, then it seems to me like your parents are possibly the best friends that you have. That's the way it's supposed to be. You know, if, if, if parent... greater love means greater friendship, then, uh, you know, I, I don't. I don't know of anybody that loves me more than mom or dad. Yeah, you your know. parents will um, lay down their life for you. That is the epitome of yeah, friendship. Yeah. So, I mean, I hear a lot of, like, I hear it a lot from, like, preachers and stuff that, oh, you're not supposed to be your children's friends. You have to, you have to discipline, discipline, discipline. But you know what? Whenever you come from a place of friendship with that discipline, your children are going to be more likely to hear you. Yeah. They're going to be more likely to obey you because they can trust what you're telling them. They can trust the counsel that you are giving right. them. Yeah, that trust is a big. It's a big deal because uh, if you don't and trust somebody, really, then really, you cannot discipline your child. 
if you're not in a state of friendship because they're not going to take what you say. They're not gonna. They're not gonna take you serious. They're gonna be like, I don't care what you say. I'm just gonna go do my own thing because you it, you obviously don't care about me. Right. I'm not gonna care about what you say. So you have to have that level of friendship. It, I mean, it's not. And it might only be one way. Yeah, it may. It you may know, be. Only I can one be way. a friend with somebody like. Uh, uh, well, let's say let's say a child. Actually, it's a great example because uh, Jesus calls himself our friend never says that we are friends of Jesus. And if you look at our relationship with Jesus, we sin on a daily basis. You know, what is that? That's, that's, that's sowing seeds of distrust. That's not trusting. That's not loving. It says in the Bible that in order to be his friend, you have to believe. And then you have to have that level of trust. Like you have to trust him before you can consider him a friend. And so what's important in that relationship is not our love for him necessarily, but his love for us. Yes. And so that's why he can be a friend to us, even when we were not his friend, you know, uh, and I forget the verse exactly, but what was it? While we were yet sinners, you know, he died for us. Um, And that's showing ultimate friendship and so um there may be somebody in your life that doesn't care for you at all doesn't like you will never be there for you but you can still be a friend to them if you are there for them you know if you would give your life for them if you would um give them the hard uh the hard instruction and love that they need uh so uh there's there's definitely you can be a friend to somebody without them being your friend yes that's kind of the idea behind the good samaritan you know the you have uh uh two different two different cities and one hates the other uh, the, I forget who was, who was the good Samaritan being a good Samaritan to, is it a Philistine? Uh, it was a Samaritan. No, it was. Oh, oh, thank you. I just said that. (laughs) I think it was was a Jew. I, uh, I, I heard that the opposite way. I was like, uh, it's the good Samaritan. Right, right. But who is he being a good Samaritan? Two. I honestly don't remember. Okay. Hang on a second. Maybe it was maybe maybe it was like this because the Samaritan scenario was different. Uh, and I'm literally just flipping pages over here in the Bible, hoping that I'll just see the right passage, which is not really the way it works. Because um, I don't remember where it is. But you have the story of the good Samaritan. Oh, hold on just a second. I've got it right here. Behold, a certain lawyer stood up and said to him, saying, Teacher, what do I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written? What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this, and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho 
and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wound him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Ah, said wound him, lol. No, wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. A certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, He who showed mercy on him. Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. So here we have somebody who literally can't be a friend, okay? We have the man, uh, let's see, from Jerusalem, went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves. Okay, so it doesn't necessarily say who he was. It does say went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. So if he went down from Jerusalem, I would take a guess that he's a Jew, Okay. And what does it say? It says uh, a priest came down the road and saw him and passed by. A Levite came down and passed him by. So these are men that a Jew would look up to. You know, a priest and a Levite. Uh, it, the priests came from the Levites, if I'm not mistaken. Right. And so a, a priest is probably from Levite. And then another Levite is from the tribe that, you know, the priests come from. And so both of them knew what to do. And this is their own, this is their own countrymen. This was a Jew, uh, somebody that was their own, his, some, the, their own people, really, uh, that was sitting on the side of the road half dead. And no, none of them stopped. And then a Samaritan, somebody who, for generations was at odds with the jews they were considered as unclean people by right the jews. right he came by had compassion bound him up put oil and gave him oil and wine uh took him to an inn and said hey you know what whatever money you spend to get this guy well when i come back i'll give that money back to you so basically he's on my tab put him on my tab uh now, when he says uh, neighbor here, I'm not sure what the Greek or the Hebrew word is for that. Um, but whenever I heard this, I, I always inserted friend there, and I don't want to add to the Bible what's not there. Um, but uh, I'm wondering if uh, the Hebrew word neighbor and friend are, are, are similar. I'm not well, really sure. That. that goes along with the... Uh, Proverbs twenty seven ten is mm -hmm. where it talks about a neighbor that is near right. than a brother who is far off. Right, right, right. It's not. So it's, it's not so much. It's context. not so much a friend, but it's more of an acquaintance that somebody who is more inclined to help you. Right, right. Than 
your own brother is. And so I would ask anybody, you know, who is a friend here? And I think the answer would be in the a, same. In a lot of ways, Samaritan. in a lot of ways, you can actually look at the fact that we're talking about a neighbor. It might be someone who considers you a friend, but you don't consider them right, a friend because right. you don't have that level of trust. And you don't have that level of love for that person at that time. Exactly. And so my question here was, um, well, not necessarily a question, more of a statement, was that this guy, uh, this uh, this Jew here, he was you know half dead on the side of the road. He couldn't be a friend to anybody. You know, he's half dead. What can he do? He can't do anything. And you have this Samaritan who comes by, shows him compassion, and becomes is a friend to him. Uh, he doesn't give his life for him or anything, but he helps him, he heals him, he nourishes him, he pays for him, and he's uh, inconvenienced himself for this, you know, this Jew, somebody who's at odds with him as far he's, as culture. He basically goes. actually put himself in debt to take care of this person because right. he doesn't know how much it's going to cost to make this person well, but yeah. he said that he will cover whatever it is. Right, right. So essentially, he is at the debt of the person who is taking care of him. Mm -hmm until he can pay that off right right and so uh this is an example of somebody who is a who's being a friend while the other party literally cannot be a friend they're probably not even conscious through all this you know and uh you can see that in our relationship with god there is no way that we can be a friend to god uh since we are always sinning we're always at odds with them it's always a it's kind of a one-sided relationship god is our friend and uh every good thing that comes from us the bible says comes from god and so if that's the case then every good thing that we can show god that comes from god and so it's really a one-sided relationship there where god is our friend even when we're not friends with him. You actually kind of opened it up for the next verse that I was looking at. It. It's actually James 4, chapter 4, verse 4. It says, uh -huh. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, do ye not know that friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Basically, that's saying that if you are, you cannot be friends with someone who is friends to your enemy. Mm -hmm. You can't. That is specifically clear in the Bible. So if you are going to be friends with God's enemy, then you cannot be considered a friend of God. Right. So if I'm going to be friends with one of your enemies, you cannot be a friend of mine because that breaks that level of trust. Mm -hmm. Because you can't trust me that I won't go and tell something that you tell me to your, your enemy over here. Because I'm friends with that person. Right. So it's, it is, the Bible specifically says that it is impossible to be friends with someone who is friends with your enemy. Yeah. You haven't said anything. <laughs> you haven't said anything in a while. Just had, it's just your clicking over there. Watch that clicking now. Preparing. Okay. What you got? It's important. It's great. It's amazing. The Not really. The mustache must tell. <laughs> Hold on. Let me let me prep the mustache. 
It's not doing the prepping thing today. I didn't, uh, I didn't give it the prep stuff. Oh, you mean the waxy wax? The waxy wax. No, I, I honestly didn't have anything to go with that. Yeah. Y'all are uh, y'all were on a roll, and I was like, well, I'm kind of out of verses now. <laughs> I, uh, I, well, I have another usually thing. you're the one that's like much more prepared, and I'm like going off the shooting from the hip here because that works, you know. But I actually, I sat down and prepared some stuff. And, and uh, since Alyssa here was hitting everything I was preparing, I just let her start running with it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I have one more thing to cover about friendship. Um, well, go that, for it. Um, we'll, we'll end with that. Okay. In Proverbs 22, verse 24, it says, Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man thou shalt not go. Hmm. And it goes on to say the re- pretty much the reason Which why. Which verse is that? Proverbs 24, it, what now? 20, it's 22, verse 24, but in verse 25, it, it actually uh, explains why. It says, lest thou learn his ways and get a snare to thy soul. Meaning that you, if you hang around with an angry person long enough, they will um, rub off on you. You, yeah. will, you will start learning that. But there is reasons why the Bible says that you cannot be friends with an angry person. Because that goes completely against the way that uh, God has designed it. That's kind of like, you know, uh, the, uh, what do they say? You are a product of your, was it three or your seven? Seven. Seven closest The seven people you hang around the most. Yeah. 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 And that's exactly what it's saying here. If you become friends with somebody who is angry, uh, I've been around angry people a lot and just like Alyssa said boy it rubs off um you know, it can make you angry just being around somebody who's angry being yeah. angry at something different but it's like they're angry at the weather and you're like now i'm getting angry at them because they're angry you know well here's a few biblical reasons why you're not supposed to be around angry people uh, the first one's in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 3. It says, The Lord is slow to anger and great in power and will not acquit all and will not at all acquit the wicked. The Lord hath his way in the whirlwind and in the storm and in the clouds that are the dust of his feet. Then there is also um, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31, it uh it says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. That was verse 32. Mm-hmm. So if, you ha- if you're holding on to that anger, you cannot forgive people. You cannot have the attributes that God would have for a Christian um, if you do that. And the last verse... Or there's two verses. It says, uh, there's Colossians 3, verse 8. It says, but now ye are also, ye also put off these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old world with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. So in order for us to put on God's image, we have to put off the old man, which that includes putting off anger. The last one that I'm going to hit on is uh, 
Colossians 3, verse 21, it's actually talking, speaking to fathers, but it can be for anyone who's dealing with children, not just fathers, but mothers and aunts, uncles, friends, anybody. It says, fathers provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Right. There, and that goes along with the being a friend to your child that I was talking about earlier. You're not to provoke them to anger because if you discourage them, they're not gonna they're not gonna be on that same level. They're not gonna want to trust you. So it We're gonna take a break right there and we'll finish back up in just a second. All right, we are back. Um, so wrapping up what I was talking about in verse 20 of Colossians chapter three, it actually explains the reasoning for having parents, fathers, uh, or anybody who's dealing with children, not to provoke them. It actually said it's giving a command to children. This is children obey your parents in all things for this is well pleasing unto the Lord. But it's also giving a warning to fathers in the next verse. Because if you want your children to follow through with obeying you, you can't sit there and provoke them to anger. Because dealing with young children, whenever they're angry, they're not listening to you. They're, they have shut themselves off. They have shut off. And they're not listening to anything you're telling them. Because they're now in this defense mode. Like, they're, they're internalizing everything. Right. So, if you are angering them, you're not teaching them anything. So you're essentially not being a friend to these kids because you because you can't teach them, you can't guide them, you can't help them to grow. That's so, why that's why sometimes you hear a lot of people say, "Gosh, it's really hard to be his friend." Yes, you know because it's like they won't listen. Exactly. How can I be their friend if they they can't they won't hear anything that I tell them? So in order for you to actually be a friend to someone you have to put off anger you have you can't you can't sit there like whenever it's talking about like faithful are the wounds of the friend it's not telling you to anger your friend or whatever by telling them these things you come from a place of compassion and grace and love when you're telling them these things yes they might be temporarily hurt by what you said but in the long run it's going to be better for them yes exactly Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, <laughs> what's everyone looking at me for? It's like all of a sudden I'm the center of attention. Yes, yeah. I was. Oh, I mean, no, I was agreeing yeah, with you. Okay. I wasn't. Yeah. I didn't say I had five other verses <laughs> to go with that. I just I was agreeing with you. Yeah, you're right. So anyway, well, we've uh, talked a lot about friendship this episode, and uh, uh, hopefully, y'all learned a lot from that. If I'm sure. I'm sure it will come up again. There was plenty of good Bible verses about friendship there that Alyssa brought to us, and uh, uh, I think maybe even one or two from Brig and I. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> just, just a couple. Just a couple. So, anyway, just remember Doc Holiday. That's right. That's right. Remember Christ on the cross. Wyatt is my friend. Which I can actually say that my cousin Wyatt is a very good friend. Of mine. <laughs> this is true. This so is I can true. actually say Wyatt is my friend, <laughs> and it means something. Yeah. And it means something. It literally well, means something. Until that's that, probably why he does it so well. I know, right? Well, until next time, adios. Adios.